HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Restaurants across the country are in need of support as a result of the devastating effects COVID-19 is having on this industry. If we don't help now, some of our favorite community gathering spaces may not be there when this crisis is over. Restaurant Opportunities Center United has compiled a list of local resources supporting the restaurant industry from cities and states across the country. From North Carolina's Triangle Area Restaurant Workers Resources to Nebraska's COVID-19 Response Fund, Minnesota's Immigrant Family Fund, Georgia's Giving Kitchen, and many, many more, we can all find a cause to support. Visit rockunited.org relief. That's rocunited.org relief to find a list of national, state, and local resources. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world. It used to be about a million listens a month. Who knows? Maybe it's more now with people having more time inside and looking for new things to listen to. Today is April 14th, 2020. This is episode 204 of Tech Bytes, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we talk to innovators and influencers in the food tech space. And the past few episodes, the past month, we've been focusing our coverage on people in the restaurant and food world who have pivoted their businesses as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. And today, um, I'm happy to introduce Danielle Bruno, who is the president and CEO of Tender Greens, which is a fast, casual, farm-fresh chain based in California, Los Angeles, with outposts across the country. Uh, Danielle, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to call in and talk with us. Good morning. Happy to be here. So typically, we have always started Tech Bytes talking about apps, and I've been asking people, has there been a piece of digital technology or an app that has become really useful to you right now, something that you've discovered, something that you never used in the past that now you're on every day? Well, I'm sure it's pretty common at this point, but uh, I used Zoom prior to the pandemic, but I certainly use it more often. And I just recently downloaded House Party, which I used over the weekend to have a sort of Easter break with my family. Now explain to us what House Party is. 
House Party is uh, an app. I downloaded it on both my phone and on my computer, and it's sort of like Zoom or FaceTime, but uh, it also allows for things like games and fun backgrounds, and it was, uh, of all of them, the easiest to use, and so getting my family members on it who have never used any kind of video technology, it seemed like the easiest way to get them on board. Fantastic. And everybody was able to use it and connect. We had a, a failed attempt at a family Zoom um, with my family a few weeks ago, <laughs> and we all wound up just moving over to FaceTime. That's funny. Yeah, it took my mom a little bit longer than the rest of us. Uh, but yeah, eventually we all got on and, and um, you know, it was almost as good as the real thing. Fantastic. Well, you know, technology is allowing us to continue and forge ahead with the podcasting. We are currently recording on Zencaster. And prior to the pandemic, the hard rule about Tech Bytes was we did the show live in the Heritage Radio Network studio inside Roberta's Pizza, and all of our guests were in studio. And we had great face to face conversations, and we ate pizza. And now that everything is remote and everyone's at home, these are the first episodes where we are basically doing call-ins. And it's been a little bit of a different experience in terms of the conversations, but it's provided a great opportunity for us to talk to people all over the country. And you are currently out in California, um, LA-based? I am, yes. So... It, it's a, This is a really timely moment to be talking about the Tender Greens uh, grocery boxes uh, pivot. You know, right now it is, California has been about coming into five weeks of being at home now. I know your restaurants closed on March 16th and your farmer's markets closed on the 31st, but you had been stay at home a little bit earlier than New York, I believe. Yeah, I mean, really... Most of what happened here to um, our business and many of the people I know's business was actually Friday the 13th, which I usually consider a lucky day. <laughs> well, Friday the 13th, I know it's so, uh, it's, I don't know, I, people say there is nothing that's coincidental, but it's kind of an interesting, <laughs> ominous uh, date. So for those of you who are you know, listening at home and want to take a look at um, Tender Greens, tendergreens.com is the website. They're on Instagram at Tender Greens if you want to um, take a look. Um, I, I would say that it's one of those you know, sort of farm-to-table, um, salad-to-go type of, of new restaurant chains that we've seen. And for you, because you are a combination initially of dine-in and carry-out, it was relatively easy for you to pivot into a delivery-only scenario, correct? Yeah, I think, I mean, our dine-in business was still significantly higher than our to-go takeout slash delivery business, um, but we had a healthy business going into this. So for you, it was just rejiggering, but you didn't have to create a completely new paradigm of how to deal with ordering or turn a dining-in-only restaurant into ordering. No, the delivery has been a part of our business for the last few years. Uh, we use all the third-party delivery partners, and we had initially planned on launching our own delivery program in 2021, but we fast-tracked that to get that launched about two weeks ago. So we use something called Olo, 
uh, we use their program called Dispatch to use it for our own delivery through our website and our app. So now we have an additional um, channel for delivery. Fantastic. And, you know, Olo is a little bit of a new one. So can you tell us a little bit about how it works? Uh, delivery, <laughs> you know, I mean, delivery has been a long time topic that we've tracked on this show, um, just because of the, you know, the sort of contentious nature of it. It's become, you know, sort of a, a mainstay and an almost automatic reflex for consumers to order through third party apps. But it's been a struggle for restaurants um, and operators to deal with the delivery platforms because of the significant commissions that they take out of orders. And what was a very tenuous um, relationship pre-pandemic has now become, you know, economically really crippling for restaurants. So explain to us, uh, explain to us, Olo, and how you came to that decision. Sure. So, I'll, I'll explain to the best of my ability um, how it's used. I'm not as familiar with the technical details of it, but there are several third-party delivery partners, uh, also called DSPs or delivery service partners. Most of uh, your audience probably knows them. The big players are Grubhub, Seamless, Postmates, DoorDash, Caviar. <clears throat> um, they all have their own structure. They all have their own interface. They all have their own fees associated with them. And um, there's a company that came along about, I'd say, I don't want to quote it wrong, but maybe five or so years ago that created a, a way for companies to integrate these third-party deliveries into their restaurant business. So prior to this integration, each of these delivery partners required restaurants to have multiple tablets or iPads sitting at the POS system. And when an order came in through the Grubhub app or through the Postmates app or through the DoorDash app, uh, the restaurateur had to look at the tablet associated with that app to take care of the order. Olo was a an integrating partner that allowed for these delivery systems to integrate with whatever POS system the restaurant was using. So it's a little bit more seamless. The restaurants have the ability to just use their regular POS system to take the orders. The system I referred to a few minutes ago called Dispatch is a product that Olo offers that allows customers to go directly to the restaurant. Um, either through the website or the app to order the product. Um, and it's significantly less expensive for the restaurateur because um, third-party delivery customers, and the reason it's contentious, is when somebody uses Postmates or somebody uses something like an Uber Eats, that customer is virtually taken from that third-party delivery partner and put into their system versus the restaurant system. That third-party delivery charges a commission to access that customer and then provide that customer back to the restaurant. So the reason it's so contentious is because there's been a lot of conversation around who actually owned these customers in the first place. Um, did the third party delivery apps just intercept the customer on the way to the restaurant? Um, should the restaurant be paying a fee for someone they used to have access to directly? Um, Tender Greens, we have a, a fairly good relationship with most of the delivery partners and we have, uh, I would say we've negotiated some better rates than, than some of what I've heard out there at other restaurants. I think partially because our business is, our volume is so high that it's worthwhile for them to, to provide us with a lower rate. 
But with dispatch, uh, a customer could go to Tendergreen's app, order through the app, and then it's dispatched to third-party delivery where we just pay a flat rate. So it's a great way to get back in touch with the customers directly and for us to have access to them. So again, this is something we weren't pl planning on rolling out this year. Um, and, and to be totally honest, it wasn't something I was even con convinced we should do because third-party delivery apps had become so prevalent that I wasn't sure people would go back to restaurants uh, directly to order their food. Um, so this change has really made that possible. And it's one of you know a handful of things that I think are positive that are going to be coming out of this is that customers are re-engaging with the restaurants they love. It's interesting, um, and it's it's great to hear uh, something positive coming out of this. Uh, sometimes it's hard to see when we're in the middle of something that just seems so overwhelmingly uh, tragic. But people are getting reacquainted directly with their restaurants, and you know, in, in many respects, uh, social media like Instagram and things like that are directing people to go directly to their restaurants. And there are even we had. Um, a guest on a few episodes back and her business, uh, she's in the food tech space and she was building a aggregator website of restaurants that were doing delivery and pickup with the actual restaurant website. So you could go directly to the restaurant and circumvent a third party platform for exactly those reasons to keep it in the restaurant ecosystem, to keep the commission with the restaurant and, and things like that. So it's an interesting um, shaking out uh, perhaps of some of the different things that had just been churning along and maybe now consumers because they are at home and because they have to maybe you know go about things in a different way maybe they have opportunity to be more thoughtful or maybe they have opportunity to um, you know take a good look at how things are really working and are they're also forced to go directly to restaurants in some instances um, maybe that will be a positive thing which would be which would be great um, so that you accelerated, which you were, you know, mm -hmm. you accelerated that timeline by about a year. One of the interesting things, which, um, you know, is just so fantastic and important is the grocery boxes that you're doing now, mm -hmm. which is a completely new product, new idea, yeah. new stream, and so important um, for so many reasons. Talk, talk, walk us through that. Sure. Um, so... When this all started, like everyone else, my team started noticing the you know inability to get fresh foods at grocery stores. You know, before grocery stores started having people line up outside, and you know, before they could change their systems to stock the shelves better, which I think they're they're a little better today, but they're still lacking. Um, it became really impossible to get groceries for all of us. And was really in one of my executive team meetings where we were all complaining and, and being frustrated and, and mostly just frustrated because of what we were considering hoarding and, and maybe people being a little bit unrealistic about their ability to get food in the future. We talked about how at the same time, even though people couldn't get food at the grocery store and, and the people who were sort of late to the game couldn't get the groceries at all, there are a lot of suppliers and farmers that work directly with restaurants that had uh, piles of food stacking up. I mean, even more recently, I think the last week, I've seen several articles about milk being poured out and uh, fresh foods being destroyed, which is terrible. But 
there are several businesses that rely on restaurants as their customer. So we have um, a farm that we've been using for 14 years that we have a great relationship with called Scarborough Farms that grows their produce, um, you know, months and months in advance. They have to plan the the crops um, and they have to plan the order of things so that they can maximize the their output. And they serve not just Tender Greens, but several other restaurants in Southern California that were suddenly shut down. And like other businesses we work with, they suddenly had no outlet for these foods. So we quickly pivoted to say, um, to see if there was a way we could get these foods directly from the farmers and the food suppliers to the consumer to both um, help these food suppliers and farmers not waste food, but get this much needed and desired food to our customer. It uh, was no small feat. The team worked really around the clock for um, about 72 hours to get this new product out there. But where we landed is something I'm incredibly proud of because we're not only providing groceries, so fruit, vegetables, uh, fresh farm goods that literally when you get them, they have still dirt on them, um, to some of the products we carry in our stores because we, we get them in wholesale quantities and we can repackage them. Um, to things like a Jidori chicken, which is sort of raw chicken that we have um, packed for travel. I mean, these are these are things that otherwise may have gone to waste that are now making it to the consumer who desperately needs them. And it's also helping our business. Uh, we didn't have a grocery business three weeks ago, and now it's 40% of our business. That's amazing. That's amazing that you um, were able to put that together and that it's just grown so significantly. It's 40% of your business. Is that because you're still just ramping up your infrastructure of how it's going? Do you have, uh, is there a greater demand than you can service right now just because of the nature of starting something new and the conditions that we're in? I'll, I'll mention for history's sake, you know, um, like most people in our category, our business dropped over 70% overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, for fine dining, it's, you know, about 75, in many cases to 100 if they had to close down entirely. Um, for fast food, it's hovering around 50%. Um, and for people in our category, it's anywhere from 60 to 80%. So um, when this all hit, business dropped about 70%. It became a very, very stressful time because we went from overnight from a profitable business to one that was burning through cash. A lot of people are experiencing this right now. When we made this shift, we were probably in the worst position um, since then. So our business was down 70%. It's been slowly ramping. But what I would say is um, the grocery goods are incremental sales to our regular business. So what we're seeing is people are buying, you know, box groceries, and then they might be buying some soup um, or uh, a chicken salad or a steak plate. And so we're seeing a lot of attachment, um, which is great for our brand because there are probably people who are introduced to us through our groceries that never tried Tender Greens before. We, we love that. We also love that there are people who have been fans of Tender Greens for years who are, you know, by who used to come to us for lunch regularly that are now getting groceries from us. So um, it's 40% of the business. It's growing daily. We're selling over a thousand grocery boxes a day. That's just fantastic. And 
um, the crossover and the one-stop shop and, and things like that. And people have the opportunity to either come and pick it up or to have it delivered, correct? Depending on where they are and how they... That's right. How they feel about things. Some people want to stay home. Some people want to get out. Yeah. And we've, you know, adapted our restaurants so that there's really no physical contact with the customer. Everybody's six feet apart. Um, the way we've set up the, the pickup area is pretty removed from the kitchen. Um, and even if somebody does want to come into the restaurant to order, they still can. Um, there's sort of a blockade about six feet in front of the register. They can order their food. They pay for it with um, uh, a pin pad. And then they step out of the restaurant, wait for the, the food to be made. Then the food is brought out to a rack and then they'll come and grab the food. So uh, everybody in the restaurant's wearing gloves and masks and um, you know, I mean, the, 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 the interesting thing about this is um, restaurants have for many, many years been practicing uh, safety practices that aren't um, uh, employed by the rest of the public usually. Um, so it's really the strictest standards of any industry. And so restaurants were, I mean, not to say that it, it, people in restaurants aren't getting infected or that it can't happen or that people shouldn't um, be ca cautious when they walk into a restaurant. But generally speaking, most restaurants practice very, very safe food handling and cleanliness standards for this exact reason. So even before this uh, virus became part of our vernacular, we were practicing these standards. We've just added um, the additional safety aspects of the, uh, the six feet apart, um, the uh, no physical interaction with the, the customers. We're not handing cards back and forth or, or, or handling cash. Um, but, you know, we now have masks and, and gloves for all the employees. It's amazing how quickly things have, have almost overnight um, changed the way that we uh, interact with the world and the way we experience things. We are going to take a quick break to find out who the sponsor is of this show. Did you know Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit and we keep the lights on and the mics hot exclusively out of the generosity from our members who are listeners like many of you, grants and underwriters like this one. Stay with us. Ben's Friends is the food and beverage industry support group offering hope, fellowship, and a path forward to professionals who struggle with substance abuse and addiction. Ben's Friends exists to provide a safe haven and an anonymous, judgment-free forum for workers in an industry that has one of the highest rates of substance abuse in the country. Their mission hasn't changed during quarantine. Ben's Friends chapters across the country are now offering online meetings. You can find a chapter near you at bensfriendshope.org.
Well, if you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network where we look at innovation in the food tech space. And since episode 200, we have been focusing on businesses and companies who have pivoted and are doing their part in helping our communities in light of the coronavirus pandemic. Do you have a story that you think people want to hear? Or do you have a resource that people would love to share in? Maybe something that people can contribute to or a place people can go for help. If you do, send us an email, techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org or find us on social media at techbyteshrn. We are very interactive. We are dedicated to continuing to produce the show on Heritage Radio Network along with our other programs. Now it is so important for us to come together as a community, albeit virtually, and share our stories. Many of them are just inspirational and people doing great things and people helping each other. And there are so many new things happening now. Um, it's, It's great to put them out into the world and help people discover them. One of those new things is something like Tender Greens Grocery Boxes. We are on the phone today with Danielle Bruno, the president and CEO of Tender Greens. If you want to take a look at them online, it's tendergreens.com. If you want to order from them, it's order.tendergreens.com. And you can find them on social media at Tender Greens. And this is a, a great story because now we are just becoming aware of the tremendous ripple effect that the restaurant industry has. At the very beginning, I would say, you know, a month ago when restaurants first started closing down and had to restrict their business, restaurant owners came together and we started hearing figures that, you know, the restaurant industry is a trillion dollar a year business. It employs, you know, 4% of the workforce, or I'm sorry, 16% of the workforce. And that's a tremendous piece of our national economy. What we're starting to look at now is the domino effect, what happens outside those restaurants. And when you think about a restaurant, obviously you think about food and that food comes from somewhere. The Tender Greens grocery boxes is an interesting idea because not only is it fulfilling a need for the consumer who maybe can't get to the store, maybe can't get groceries, but it's also fulfilling a need of the farmer. So many of the farmers and restaurant suppliers now have nowhere to sell their goods. And that pipeline of sales has suddenly closed. And that's one of the next ripple effects of the restaurant industry closing. So Danielle, can you tell us about Scarborough Farms and some of the other vendors that you're working with and what you're hearing from your uh, purveyors and farm partners who are helping you put together your grocery boxes? Yeah, so we've always, you know, Tender Greens has been around for over 14 years, and the purpose of Tender Greens was to make whole food, good food, real food available to as many people as possible. The the quality of Tender Greens food is that of a five-star restaurant, and the reason that's meaningful is that we make our food from scratch every day, so it comes to us in whole form. We have no processed foods in our restaurants, so The reason we were able to do this is because we are receiving on a daily basis um, fresh product from our, you know, vendor partners. Um, Many of them are farms, some of them are food service, bakeries, coffee shops. 
And we were able to make this pivot because we had already had a relationship with them. So I'll give you an example. Um, aside from Scarborough Farms, uh, there's a local baking company called La Brea Bakery. La Brea bakes um, the breads that we use in our restaurants. They're famous. Um, yeah. Uh, La Brea they, Bakery's when, famous. <laughs> uh, when this happened, um, you know, because uh, so much of their business is to the restaurant community, they had to lay off a massive amount of their employees. And we continued to order bread from them as we do for our menu. But when we moved to this grocery product that started out as four grocery boxes, then became six grocery boxes, then we added about 10 um, unique grocery items. And as of uh, Friday of this week, we're going to actually uh, have the technology available for people to order items a la carte, which has been a heavy lift. So we had curated boxes on Friday. People will be able to order individual items. Um, but we have a list of items that we added to both the boxes and that we made available immediately. Um, one of them was a uh, baguette and one of them was a sourdough loaf from La Brea Farms. And it helped them uh, restart their production. We have been talking about doing a dessert box um, to include some of their sweet options. And uh, when I talked to my head of purchasing about this a week ago, I said, you know, I think it'd be really great to get that in the system and let's start working on that. And then everybody's moving so quickly that I'm, I've become accustomed to sort of overnight miracles. So when I said to him about four days later, hey, what happened to that dessert box that we were gonna be working on with La Rea Bakery? He said, oh, well, they're gonna have it ready in probably another week. They had to hire back their whole team to make these for us. And um, <clears throat> they're gonna be able to produce them um, once they get back up and running. And I was actually walking and talking uh, with, with him and a few other members of my team when he told me this and I just immediately teared up um, and just was so overwhelmed by the notion that they were able to hire back their team to support our business. Um, it was, it was really kind of phenomenal. And he said that um, the folks at La Brea have been incredibly grateful to us for this exact reason. And I can tell you, we are working with bicycle coffee in LA um, they've been able to maintain their employees um, through the work we're doing. Scarborough Farms, as I have mentioned, ha we've allowed them to provide this amazing fresh uh, produce to the public um, uh, straight from the farm. Um, we're also working with uh, Bellisteri Salumi, which is a company we already had worked with, um, again, occasionally in, in some of our products but it became a part of a box that we're calling outdoor picnic box, which includes things like salami, cheese, uh, wine in it, um, Point Loma Farms, Balik Farms, Coke Farms, um, Countryline Harvest. I mean, I can go on. Um, Salmon Creek Farms. I mean, there's, there's just all of these people who have come together to help us solve this problem for the community and for each other. And I have to say in my 25-year career-leading organizations. Um, this is probably going to go down as the thing I'm most proud of in my career because uh, it's it's the kind of effort that you um, hear about, rarely get a chance to actually participate in. And like I said about the consumers getting closer to the restaurants again, this is another real bright spot for me 
and something that I believe is going to change the relationship between um, farmers and restaurants and the community for a very long time. To the, to that point, I mean, it's just phenomenal that you know by creating this new idea of the grocery boxes, it's uh, a platform that can encompass so many other businesses, and as you said, get that economic engine turned on again. It's so hard for us to know what the future looks like. We don't even know when we're going to be officially out of, you know, staying at home and and back into the world. Is this something in the short term that you see just continuing for the balance of the year? Do you see it growing? Do you see your consumers, your customers um, becoming used to this way of shopping now? I mean, again, it's hard to know. Some people probably will adapt to this behavior and and keep going in terms of, you know, delivery and pickup and maybe staying at home a little more. There probably will be people who will go running outside and, you know, grab a hold of anyone they can get their arms around. Um, But I I know it's it's probably really difficult to see beyond, um, you know, the next few weeks because we just don't know what's going to happen in the broader picture. How 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 are you planning for that? And do you see your your grocery box business uh, continuing to grow and and adding things? Are you at are you as growing as quickly as you can with your infrastructure? Yeah, I mean it's an it's an important point because uh, we've been able to do all of this on a very skeleton team. I mean, we've I should mention laid off forty uh, percent of our employees, so. Um, this isn't, you know, an all positive story for us by by any stretch. My goal is certainly to make things happen as quickly as possible so that we can hire all of those people back, and we're making good progress on that. In terms of what the future looks like, right now I'm meeting with my team twice a day. We meet every morning at 9 a.m. Pacific and every afternoon at 4 o'clock because we're moving that quickly, and it's important for us to stay connected to what everybody is doing um, just to make sure we don't have errors along the way. In those conversations, twice a day, we're talking about what we anticipate for the future. And I think there's definitely going to be a long tail on this. I think that the social distancing may change over the course of time, but I think people are going to ease back into it. But I do think that a lot of people miss socializing with friends and eating at restaurants. And I imagine that's going to be one of the first things I know I personally with my family can't wait to get back to doing. So um, we're looking at, you know, what kinds of changes should we be making in the restaurants to make sure people feel comfortable when they do come back outdoors and they do visit the restaurants. We're also looking at the aspects of this new business that seem to really work for people. People are buying these products now partially because they're desperate for some of these products and this is an easy way for them to get these products within, you know, an hour of ordering them, but also because they really trust Tender Greens and because they either knew already or they know now that we get fresh products daily. I mean, that's been sort of one of the interesting things about this is being able to send people fresh produce, again, that still has dirt on it, I think reminds them that we don't serve, you know, highly produced food. We we, we do um, get things in fresh every day, and I think people appreciate that. So I think there will be um, an aspect to our business that will contain some remnants of what we're going through today as groceries become more available 
I don't think the same products in the same quantity will become quite as necessary. But I do think there are going to be aspects to the way we're delivering this food and evolving um, that are going to be meaningful. And another thing we're going to be launching in two weeks is a, a recipe box. Um, so I don't want to give away all the details because my head of marketing will kill me. But um, because we have employed, you know, over 40 executive chefs with amazing culinary backgrounds, we're able to, in this short period of time, develop a program for um, delivering boxes that are going to be straight to you, full recipes for some of your favorite foods. And that's something that I think if it if if people like it, we'll iterate on it and it could absolutely become a longer term part of our business. Well, it's so hard to know um, what the future looks like and, and when that actually comes. There was a period of time where it seemed um, every day the news brought a new uh, a new type of behavior or some new guideline, um, some new thing that we're supposed to do. Just from your point of view, when you are planning for future business, what's what does that runway look like? You're talking about putting something into production two weeks from now. Are you planning a month from now, six months from now, a year from now, or is it really just a, a much shorter runway given the nature of, of what's happening? So there, there are two ways we look at the business. One is financial projections, and that's probably our most conservative point of view because it is important for our business and for our investors and for the public for us not to run out of cash. So our most conservative point of view has the business sort of up and running, maybe not full board by around August of this year. Um, we imagine that uh, through the end of the year, we'll st still have <clears throat> some lasting effects of, of traffic decline going through the end of the year. From a production side and from a customer side, um, we're really using this opportunity as a sandbox to learn more about our customers, what they want from us. And we're ideating and iterating very quickly to put things out there that we think might be interesting for us, that we have a unique <clears throat> opportunity to do and we have the internal talent to make happen. Um, and we're doing that on a weekly basis. We've actually launched since, since I think March 16th, um, three days after uh, everything was really announced in California and the day we, we shut down our dining rooms. Um, since that day, every week we've launched a new product or a new version of the products. We intend to continue doing that all the way until we're fully open. And um, what will happen is some of those things will go away forever and some of those things will be um, you know, mistakes that we quickly move away from, but we're going to have some wins that I think are going to make Tender Greens even better uh, than it was before this whole thing started. Yep, things that we couldn't have planned before, and it's it's nice to hear some uh, stories of, of business and community that do have a positive spin to them, sort of that necessity is the mother of invention idea, perhaps, um, what to do and if you have the wherewithal and, and um, you know, like-minded people around you, you can spring into action and really get things done, which is 
which is a, an excellent thing for everyone to remember right now. Would you have any um, pieces of advice for uh, you know restaurants around the country who are perhaps in similar situations? Many um, are pivoting into delivery. Many have you know vendors and purveyors and farmers. Any top line things that you've learned? Um, your top couple definitely mm-hmm. do this. Definitely never ever do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think the advice I would give would be more philosophical and I would direct it towards uh, business and restaurant leaders, which is it's important that we don't panic in these situations. We will come out of this. And sometimes that's really hard to remember when we're in the thick of it, but we'll come out of it. And the way we behave and respond in these times will define us for a very, very long time. And I've seen some people really spring into action and use this as an opportunity to improve their business and to improve who they are personally. And I've, and I've seen some people um, go the other direction. And it's, I think, just incredibly important that we remember we're resilient, um, we're resilient as humans, um, we're resili- resilient as Americans. We will get through this. There's going to definitely be um, some pain and turmoil in the meantime, but, um, you know, the calm heads will prevail and, um, you know, crisis reveals character. Very, very well said. Um, and definitely, uh, really important ideas to think about now and always, I think, um, you're talking about some of the really enduring, things about human nature, sort of the best qualities of ourselves that um, are always important and um, come to light at moments like this. Um, I want to thank Danielle Bruno for sharing her uh, story of what Tender Greens is doing and her point of view. Um, It's really been a, a tremendous pivot and we look forward to the new things that will be happening. Definitely keep us in touch. If you want to check out Tender Greens, go visit them online, tendergreens.com or on social media at Tender Greens. I want to thank the whole Heritage Radio Network staff. We are at heritageradionetwork.org. I want to thank our engineer, who you can't hear, but he's on the line, Matt Patterson. We are continuing to make food radio during the pandemic because listening to Danielle, so many things uh, to think about, so many inspirational things, working with your colleagues, working with your other vendors, looking around for for stories of of innovation and, you know, in a very base sense, uh, a way to get, you know, a, a box of vegetables maybe to somebody, to you or to somebody that you love. We have... Hours and hours of radio for you to listen to during this pandemic. We have new shows being produced every week, important stories like this one. Come and spend some time with us, heritageradionetwork.org. We are on all your podcasting platforms, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify. Get in touch with us. Listen. We'd love to hear your stories. We will be here next week. I'm Jennifer Leutzi. And this is Tech Bytes. Tech Bytes is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, 
Subscribe to our newsletter. Just enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. As the news of coronavirus reverberates throughout the world, We at HRN are especially concerned about how coronavirus will impact our food system. We will use our platform to support the restaurant, agriculture, hospitality, and other food-related industries by maintaining our coverage and operations. As social distancing becomes the temporary norm, podcasts are more important than ever. There's never been a more crucial time to stay informed about the state of our food system and the way that food connects our global community. We're sharing all of our COVID-19 coverage at heritageradionetwork.org COVID-19. From interviews with nonprofit leaders and journalists, to firsthand accounts from chefs and restaurant owners, to reports on how the crisis is affecting regional farms. Our team is working remotely from all over to keep food radio alive. HRN needs your support more than ever to keep sharing essential stories and resources with our listeners. Make a donation of any amount. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash donate.